When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lipstick of vacation. What do we got tonight? Come ease my frustration. Give me peace at my fulfilled love vibration. And we're back again, everybody. Episode 4 of Season 2 is here, and uh, this episode I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, With me today we have John and Matt, uh, who are also fraternity brothers, just like the last couple episodes. And the song you just heard is called, uh, well, I won't say what it's called, but you can probably figure it out. And the reason there's no bed music anymore is because that song is unreleased. And it's from Matt's uh, alter ego, which is Sleazy Lettuce. Um, And he wanted me to tease it on the episode today since he's coming along and joining us. And yeah. That's about it for that. Uh, but yeah, this episode was really fun to film. Uh, we finally got my friend John on. He's been wanting to come on for a while, and I'm, I'm glad we finally pulled it off. And we talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about uh, what rock band you would join in its prime, uh, the inevitability of death, um, chaos versus order, a bunch of stuff. So if you liked the last episode, you'll definitely like this episode. Um other things to talk about, uh, John in this episode, he has a Twitch account that you should check out. He does DJ sets. Uh, Matt, Matt is a DJ. He's Sleazy Lettuce, and I've already showed you all his stuff. You can find him on all music platforms. But yeah, uh, John is also getting into DJing. You can find him at uh, DJ the Shepherd on Twitch. And other than that, I don't really have much else to say. Um, but yeah. I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Uh, sorry there's no bed music, but, you know, I told Matt I wouldn't show you the drop. So here you go. Here is Season 2, Episode 4. Bye. And we're here, everybody. Episode 4 of the Season 2 of the Chungus Cast. I'm joined again by some uh, very good friends and fraternity brothers. And why don't they go ahead and introduce themselves now? Hi, I'm uh, John. I'm gifts big and uh i was uh studying animal science and agricultural science at virginia tech before i went to go work on a sheep farm for about three years and i'm now uh finishing up an associate's degree in culinary arts uh yeah i'm matt i'm good friends with gifford and john like we all went to college together and uh shared some pretty fun and wild times but I'm a little younger than them. I graduated in 2019. And since then, I've been living and working in Virginia. And uh, 
working on some music as well. So I'm just stoked to be here and catch up with my homies. Nice. And Matt, why don't you tell everybody uh, your alter ego? Because I have been dropping your stuff uh, in the beginning of the show a lot recently. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I've been working on a musical project. I've been DJing under the name Sleazy Lettuce. Um, I actually was DJing in college for quite a few years before I even like started making music and releasing music last year. So this is like, you know, I'm pretty new to releasing music, but I've been DJing under the name for a while. Nice. And we'll probably put one of your one of your songs uh, last episode that is actually dropping tomorrow because we're recording in the past. Uh, I played Seahorses, which is like your first real edit, I guess. Right. Yeah, that was my first song that I released. And it was like it's about a year old now, a little bit over a year. Oh, really? I didn't even know it was that young. That's cool. Yeah, I I feel like I really I really kind of just started honestly with the releasing music stuff, but it's fun. I've been I've been enjoying it a lot. Hell yeah! All right, so I guess we should just get into a topic, right? Um, so we have a a bunch of stuff. The one I want to start with because I think it'll be the easiest to like talk about is the rock band question uh, that John has. Why don't you introduce it so I don't get anything wrong, John? All right. Uh, I don't think there's really much to mess up here, but uh, if either of you fine gentlemen could uh, go back in time and insert yourself into any rock band in history, uh, which would you choose and why? First, first, does it have to be a rock band or is it just any like musical touring uh, group or are you thinking specifically like the rock movement? I, I it's it's easiest to think of rock okay. movement. I think just because of the the partying mentality that we have, I yeah. think we'd fit in. Yeah. Uh, but if you wanted to be like you know Giorgio Moroder's you know <laughs> right hand man, you know so be it. You know whatever uh, floats your boat. Okay, well, Matt, you, uh, you, me or you? Sorry, well, I have mine in mind, so I'm ready oh, yeah, to go. You go, you go, because I need to think about this. Okay, yeah, it took me a second, but. Uh, I think I would want to like I would either be in the Beatles or replace one of the Beatles. John, which one was it? Do you want to like should I insert myself into the band or should I pick Ooh. one of the Beatles to be? Well, that's a, a fun additional question because who would you kick out of the Beatles to, to take their place? <laughs> Yo, okay, I think that um, it would either have to be John or Paul because I feel like they're like the real like masterminds behind a lot of the writing. I, I think they're geni- like they're genius songwriters. Okay. So, I think being like one of those two guys would be the coolest. Just okay. You're, so you're saying like you take their their position? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. what I would like. I, mean, I think I'm just like jealous of them, right? Because I just watched a documentary recently on them, and they had like the craziest lives. I mean, they were like in their early 20s and touring the world, playing like crazy shows, and there's these girls like screaming until they passed out. Like their lives were just insane for a long time. I feel like, and it would just be really cool. That's very true. But here's a question. Uh, if you kick them out, then you can't collaborate with them. And don't don't you want to kind of pick their brains and stuff? Or Well, right. So like, I think the way the Beatles worked was like John and Paul would kind of go back and forth in their songwriting. So they bounce off each other. So mm-hmm. I honestly don't know which one of them. I think that like John was a little bit older, maybe. And he like kind of took the lead a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um so in that case, I guess it'd be really cool to be Paul to kind of have him as a little bit of like an older brother mentor and, and you know, songwrite together. Because I think songwriting is just like a crazy way to bond with someone. Like 
my buddy Sarp is here and he can hear me talking, but me and Sarp have been writing songs for a little while now. And like, he was kind of like better than me at first. So like, I was able to just learn so much from him. And it's like, it's just a, it's a cool bond. Oh, without doubt. I was about to say that's, that's a pretty solid choice. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Beals fans out there that would say it's sacrilege, but you know, it's all part of the fun of the, the hypotheticals. Uh, Gif, have you? Yeah. (laughs) Without a doubt. Uh, Gif, have you thought of who you would like to join? So John or Matt raises an interesting point. I think, I guess I have two answers. If like one, one, if one question is like, what famous musician do you want to become? Mm -hmm. I guess I would, I would have to say like Elvis or something, but in terms of just like, touring with a famous rock band maybe being like like an additional member that everybody forgets about or something so so i honestly am gonna go the other way like i don't i want to be in like the most mellow touring rock band because i like really would after like getting out of college and stuff now i'm like super like conditioned i i want to take care of myself i don't want to i want to live to be old and prosperous so it like scares me to think about like what would happen if i just did copious amounts of drugs from like for like 10 years That's so what you're me. saying is you're, you're you've become a crotchety old man yeah exactly I, and okay. so like because the i think the beatles are a good choice because even if they did do drugs like there's no way it was on like the same scale as like motley crew Mm. Or like Ozzy Osbourne or stuff like that, you know. So well, you lose a lot of your longevity as a musician if you like if you're just getting exactly. Fucked up. Yeah. I, I mean, but, and those guys were in it for, and or, or like I guess the Rolling Stones are like one of the exceptions to that. I was but, about like, to say Keith Richards has pretty much done every drug under the sun, and he just he just celebrated yet another birthday. So like, yeah, maybe we're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah honestly, I think I would say like I would want to be in nirvana just because i like that that genre and that era of rock and roll i just think of like the pacific northwest like fucking it's always raining outside um you know it's the the band is performing in some grungy old garage somewhere and then maybe like i feel like i could be completely wrong about this and i should know the answer but i feel like uh um what's his name Kurt Cobain? Yeah, Kurt Cobain, sorry. Was not a huge partier just because he was like yeah. depressed all the time. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. <laughs> and like Dave Grohl, I doesn't really strike me like he's a rock star for sure, but he doesn't really strike me as like a rock like a rock sex drugs rock and roll guy. He just strikes me as like a musician. Right. Nirvana is cool because they had this like crazy cult following as their fan. Yeah. And I feel like their shows are just like almost like a, a religious, you know, kind of thing for their yeah, exactly. For their and that's just, just a hard, hardcore fan base too. Like those guys are really intense. And going back to Matt's like answer, like I would want to replace Kurt because, like, just say I had the same sort of influence he did in the grunge scene. I like hopefully would not commit suicide uh, in the prime of my career. And like just to think about how much further that genre of music would have gone if like their front man never died. Like Foo Fighters probably would not exist, but. I mean, I think that's a that's a big trade off, though. I, mean, I I would take it just because I'm I just prefer like you know 
early '90s, mid '90s grunge to whatever, whatever the Foo Fighters are putting out now. Alternative a, is that mm-hmm. their genre? I don't really know. Yeah, I'd say I'd say alt rock. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. They're pioneers. Like they they kept up, or I guess I should say, Grohl is a pioneer. Like he kept up with what was popular at the time, and he's paved the way for so much new stuff. But it would be really interesting to see, like just what that scene would be like if the Soundgarden guy never died. Uh, oh, was, um, the blind, Chris Cornell? Yeah, yeah, the blind melon guy never died. Just to think about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I've, uh, that's This took quite the turn, but yes, they, it's... We, we would still be watching VHSs, man. <laughs> MTV <laughs> would actually have music videos? What are you talking about? That's crazy. But, that, but that's yeah, a, a decent tell me, choice. Tell me your answer. Because I, so, I know you got a good answer. I don't. So, <laughs> uh, I I agree with you on the idea of you don't want to be in like a huge band because stardom is a beast unto itself and it's hard to grapple with. Um, but at the same time, I I feel like I would want to be just a part of a, a very musician heavy band. Uh, so I would say that. I don't think I would have really fit into this band, but uh wait, can I guess? Please. Uh uh what do you call it? Grateful Dead. Oh wow. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I appreciate the guess, but uh I was actually going to say uh the Brothers Johnson. Uh Not familiar, little, actually. They are a funk group. Um and it was these two brothers and they uh played bass and they were just really super funky, and uh, <laughs> I see what you mean by not fitting in. Yeah, it's like so. a seventies era like soul think, band of two black guys, basically. Exactly, people yeah. who have no idea. Exactly. So um, I, I don't know if it would have been super easy for me to integrate at the time, but uh, I would have loved to have been a part of that just because I love their music, and I think it would have been would just be- a lot of fun. That would be like the reverse Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> the front man is like this white guy and he's got like two black guys backing him up. Oh yeah. That would yeah, have been Joe, something. You bring, up, you bring up an interesting point of like not being in full stardom, but still mm-hmm. like living in a musician's life. And like, cause I think that is almost like an ideal in some way. Cause like stardom comes with so many complications completely you know, for your life and your psyche and everything. But if you can just live a happy life as a creator, and not have to deal with that like level of fame, but still right. make a living. That's kind of like a perfect medium for a lot of artists. I feel like. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a tightrope, as they say, and uh, there's also something to be. I forget where this is from, but you know, there's that idea also to contend with that uh, the artist must suffer. So I feel like you have to take a little bit of it. You know, it's it's all about balance. Um, but again, that's yeah, what I would choose. Bit, you know? <laughs> what was that, Sart? <laughs> yeah, you got to struggle a little bit. Exactly. You know, and uh, partying and fame and all that, I, I, I think I'd be willing to take on some of that struggle. All right, sweet. Uh, so, near-death experiences. What, what? I was about to say, talk talk about a segue. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we're just jumping. I love it. Um, <laughs> I've got a I've got a 
dig a little bit personally. So gentlemen, oh, okay. either of you. Well, I'll just say that I have never had one, but I that, want to. That I find like, hard to believe. No, man, I never have. Didn't you on the highway? Didn't you kind of fuck your car up on the highway once? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't really near. I didn't, like, when I think of near death, I think of, or NDEs, I think of, like, you're leaving your body, um, basically, because you're basically almost. That you nearly died. Or, like, there's also, like, the light flashes before your eyes. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, when I think NDE, I think, like, uh, you leave, you're basically about to die, and you're you leave your body, you see yourself from a different plane of existence. And then there's also like the, uh, DMT hit and like all this <laughs> shit like passes through your mind. And then for some reason, like e- either like you could call it miraculous or you could call it, uh, just medicine. Uh, they revive you and you become back alive and you remember what you experienced. And that's, I've never even come close to that. Um, so are you talking more about like, doing salvia or something like it sounds like you're more in it for the, the no i don't I, oh i'm not so so <laughs> kyle would say he's like in it for the high but i'm in it just for exploring the possibility of an afterlife i think okay. that, that's why i'm most interested in it and i'll talk about something else after we finish with this type of subject but right. there's uh re, re, i basically went through like a quarter life crisis and if you have, if people listening have not experienced one, it's just basically realizing your life is a quarter over and you become basically depressed with your own mortality and it pretty, it sucks. Um, oh yeah. No, it's, it's not but, a fun thing to realize, but it also is kind of empowering once you get it over is. it. Yeah. And there's another thing that I will talk about besides NDEs that has really helped me, but NDEs I looked into because I was like, well, maybe it's not the end. Uh, like in terms of it's the end in this life, but is it the end, the end or, or for your soul? Mm. And there are like accounts. There's this one, the most famous account and you can look it up is, is I forget what it's co- called, but basically you can look up NDE tennis shoe. And it basically is the story okay. of this woman. Uh, she was a, a Spanish immigrant and she, um, was t- hospitalized in uh, San Francisco, I believe. And she had an NDE because she was on like the operating table or something. She was about to die, but she didn't. And in the NDE, she said her, 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 she left her body. She was looking at her body from above, and she went outside, went up like 10 stories, and in this little balcony of somebody's like apartment, there was a tennis shoe and she like was able to describe exactly what it looked like. She had never been near it. Um, and they checked and it was there and it was exactly what she had said. Now, you know, people can easily refute this and say like, Oh, well she actually did see it before. Um, but there, there's, you know, some not so, there's some convincing logic in that she would have zero mm-hmm. reason to lie about that. And also the way that the story is recorded and, and recollected, it is like pretty clear that she, she like, didn't set this up. Like, right. <laughs> like she, just, she was like basically in shock when she mm-hmm. was describing it. So it was, it seemed real. And so um, furthermore, they've even like, this is, this was it's such a famous incident that they've actually tried to like study this and put little tiny pictures up in the corners of cabinets in hospital rooms, 
like in case hmm. somebody had an NDE and they could like ask them like, Hey, what, what was, what was the picture of up there? Was it a monkey? Was it a bird? Um, <laughs> unfortunately these types of occurrences are so rare that like they have basically inconclusive results right now. And, you know, to, you have to have somebody who has an NDE in the same room and like they remember to ask them about the picture and sometimes they'll have them and they won't see the picture for some reason. So they don't really, they don't really know, but that's basically what I, what I have learned about it. I have never had an NDE though. So I would love to hear. Uh, if I guys. may interject. Yeah, uh, go for it. Are you sure you aren't describing the plot to Flatliners? <laughs> um, Ooh, what, which what's is, that? <laughs> it's a movie where it's really crummy movie. I think it was made in like uh the nineties, but basically it's a bunch of med students who try and bring themselves to the verge of death. And then they all bring each other back to Jake and ask each other like, Oh, like, did you see the afterlife and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. It's a bad joke. Don't mind me. Um, but uh, I, I'll, I'll second you there. I wasn't expecting uh, your definition of NDEs to be so extreme, but that is fascinating that uh, that happens. And uh, yeah, I, I remember reading somewhere, like it's the weird stuff, like people, you know, having a heart attack, being almost dead and then coming back and they can like speak a whole different language or something. Oh yeah. I have, I I have seen stuff like that. That that's is really, that's it, weird. Very weird. Um, so I don't really have an experience where I left my body. Um, but I definitely have had moments where, uh, I guess the overall fear and adrenaline have taken over and I don't, you know, quite remember exactly uh functioning but i you know got through and the first one uh that comes to mind was i was driving cross country with my buddy jack um and we were driving through indianapolis or just jack, indiana rather jack the ripper yes <laughs> um and we were in the middle of this really bad thunderstorm uh and we're driving around along the highway and uh we were passing this tractor trailer and uh basically one of the tires blew out right next to us and uh the force from the tire blowing out pushed us off the road and so like literally like something out of an action movie like we fell into the uh like i don't know the side of the road and almost swerved out of control and it was just one of those moments where, like, again, you see your life flash before your eyes. And uh, I don't remember doing it, but somehow I managed to get control of the uh, car, got back on the highway, pulled over because my heart was pounding out of my chest. And uh, yeah, no, that it's just a, a very interesting experience to have your brain kind of shut off and be like, yo, we're going into survival, survival mode. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I so that's more so what I've experienced as well, John. Like I've never had a NDE like leave your body type experience because you're like so injured or something. Right. But I have had my life flash before my eyes plenty of times because of all the downhill skating I used to do. I used to be like riding longboards down open roads at like fifty or sixty miles an hour. Sometimes on like I've ridden like highway roads out in West Virginia in the mountains and shit. And so doing that stuff was like, I mean, at a certain point, every time you're at the top of a hill with your board, you're like, I don't even know if I'll survive this run. 
because like shit happens sometimes people die from getting hit by cars and shit and i've been so, like pretty pretty close mm-hmm. by getting hit by cars on, on many occasions where it's like you do get hit by the car you were going like 50 miles an hour on a piece of wood completely exposed like you're probably not going to survive that hit right so uh, I've, had, I've had moments so like that and that's why i don't i don't really do that shit anymore because like at a certain point i realize <laughs> i really am risking my life like every time i do this <laughs> mm. i was about but, to say so like specifically uh in those experiences what did you find it was the board failing you or was it just like you being like hey i'm gonna try and push this this little extra bit and uh you know just put yourself in a, a tricky situation well what it usually is is like um stupid drivers on the road because so you'd be skating okay. uh, you'd be skating like open roads with traffic so like oncoming traffic sometimes in these mountain roads don't give a fuck about the lanes so mm-hmm. you might be getting like or you know for example sometimes like i once i once skated a road without looking at it at first before i skated it and there was a huge <laughs> branch there was a branch down in the road that was blocking the way and i was going like probably close to 40 miles an hour and had to hit the branch and i you know my body skidded across the pavement at that speed (laughs) and so that sucks but i don't even find those to be like near death because it's like in those moments like you slide across the ground and tumble a couple times and then you're like oh and you like kind of feel around you're like what is anything broken am i okay but like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't feel like your life is in, in in danger in those moments it's the ones where you're like a car is coming up the hill in your lane type type moments where you're like you see oh, it coming this this could be it like right. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming so face to face with it moments like that suck and so that's pretty much why i stopped doing that like i'll, I'll go to like you know sanctioned events that with a closed road now to skate but i don't like to skate open highways anymore <laughs> probably for the best <laughs> yeah. i could tell you guys um, that at the time uh where i dislocated my shoulder and then they couldn't pop it back in so they gave me propothal and knocked me out like that's the drug that michael jackson overdosed on mm, nice that was kind of like a weird uh, <laughs> experience because it's like i was i was in the hospital for three hours with a dislocated shoulder and they couldn't pop it back in and they give me like morphine and shit so i'm already Damn, fucked. How, did, how did the morphine feel dude pretty good uh <laughs> <laughs> so i turned down i was in so much shock when i messed my leg up i like turned down the morphine because i was like no, I don't need that. I don't need it, but <laughs> dude, no, it's totally worth it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially like when they give you the first shot and they're like, "Did you feel that?" And you're like, "Not really." And then they're kind of like, "All right, we'll give him more." <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was in a ton of pain. Dislocating your shoulder sucks, and uh, but yeah, you know, basically they could they gave me morphine and still couldn't pop it back in. So then they got an anesthesiologist to fly in from another hospital. I was out in the mountains, like I was in the middle of nowhere because I was snowboarding. But I, um, this dude gave me the shot, and it was like, it wasn't like I saw afterlife or anything. Like he gave me the shot into my IV, and uh, it was like an old school television. Like it just like closed into this white dot. It was just this blackness. Like it not it knocks you out pretty much immediately. Mm. When I woke up, uh, I didn't even know where I was. I was like. <laughs> I had no idea what had happened or anything. Holy shit. It took a second for it like to come back, but like I like didn't even know that I was in a hospital. Well, I've got two questions for the group uh now that we've gotten into this little oh yes side topic. Um first off, uh 
it is amazing what anesthetics can do. Um, when I was working in an animal hospital, it was just always fascinating. Uh, I remember this one time we had to uh, dehorn some uh, baby goats, and basically they just dipped the needle in the anesthetic, didn't even draw it up into the syringe, and that was enough to knock these little uh, baby goats out. And I just remember being awe-inspired by that. But um, my big question is, I've never personally passed out. Have either of you? And can you describe it for somebody who hasn't uh, been initiated into that world? Passed out. So I don't think I have, but that surprises me. The closest (laughs) I ever came, um, basically it was like, Easter, I think, and my cousins mm. were over at my house. Or it, was, it was probably Christmas, actually, and they gave me uh, like a set of kid golf clubs for Christmas. And we went out looking. We went out to like play with them or something. Everybody and like my my big uncle is with me, and I tell him hit one, hit one, and he like of course shows off. He takes like my kid sized golf club and like smacks a drive like <laughs> two like a hundred fifty yards. It's a kid's club, so it doesn't go that far. And Mm -hmm. we go looking for the golf ball, and then we see this mushroom, and my cousin has the golf club. And I'm like, hit the mushroom, hit the mushroom, hit the mushroom. She takes a full swing, and I literally stick my head like down towards the mushroom. (laughs) She hits me in the head. Totally my fault. Um, But I like literally – like it gave me the welt like half the size of my head. It was insane. Oh. Like how how big this welt was. It was like the size of a fist. Yikes! And I I immediately fell down. My vision got clouded, and then also like my what I heard was just a like a a low or a, a very high pitch like ping, and nothing else. Everybody was like talking. I couldn't hear them. I was just yelling. I can't hear. I can't hear. I can't hear. And I could faintly hear them over the sound of the ping. But like, I was like freaking out and then everything was fine in like an hour. But I think I definitely got concussed. I was about to say. I don't think I passed out though. I th- This was before they even knew what c- concussions were also. Yeah. So. yeah. Gifford, I have a similar story to that. I, I once got hit in the head by a soccer ball that knocked me out when I was younger because it was like a penalty kick and or not. Yeah, yeah, a penalty kick. And uh, I was in the wall and I just got drilled in the face. And I and it was like full out cold for for not long though like it was a couple seconds and I and I came too but like uh, I was I was definitely a bit cussed after that. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever passed out besides like probably from drinking, <laughs> yeah. like not straight up like fainted or anything. Oh, I right. did once. Uh, I once was like in high school and I was crouching down and hitting a bong, and. Then, like, I stood up because someone scared me. Like, the neighbor was, like, yelling or something. And I stood up so quickly that I was, like, I got so lightheaded. That I was, like, oh, shit, I'm going down. But it was funny because I, like, set the vo- – I was, like, falling down, but, like, slowly because I just knew <laughs> I set the bong down and then slumped and then, like, like fainted for a second and then came back. But that was oh. a weird – those are uncomfortable. It's, like, you're so lightheaded. Like, that's why you're passing out. I've at I've had that happen. Oh, sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I was about to say, at least Matt's priorities were right, and you know he <laughs> he took the proper uh, steps before uh, losing his uh, consciousness. But that's yeah, it was like terrible. a slow fall. I would say, like I was, it wasn't like I'm not like dropped. Like I was like I knew I was going down though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, I um, I've had that thing happen where you like stand up too quick and you see like stars and your you like your vision like blacks out for a couple seconds, but you don't like pass out. You just get like super lightheaded. But that's only happened to me like once or twice after like watching TV for too long, and I was able to like fight off the fainting. So yeah, I know. I wish I passed out. I would want to know what that feels like. Like, I want to know what it feels like to wake up after you pass out and to, like, figure out what happened. Right. But UFC, really cool, yeah. you, UFC, fighters, UFC fighters will talk about how, like, when they get choked out, like, it's like you just take a nap because you, <laughs> you get all the blood and oxygen cut off to your head and then you pass out. But, like, it's like a really euphoric um, thing, I guess. <laughs> did, you, did you feel the same way when you were coming out of your uh, dislocation debacle? Um, that was, I don't know. That was a lot of things happening at the time. Like I was like, right. <laughs> everything kind of came back all at once. And then I was stoked because my shoulder was back in its socket. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you guys have ever dislocated before, but like that shit's so painful. Like I think more painful than any of the other bones I've broken. Cause it's just this really uncomfortable thing where it's like your, your shoulder or whatever is, you know, your joints dislocated and all the tendons that are usually there are being like stretched and they can't, and they're like, pull, they're like pulling back, but they can't. Go. It's the uh, worst. Uh. Well, I think you just convinced me uh, that I never really want to try. <laughs> um, yeah, you definitely never... don't want to dislocate stuff. It's super, yeah. like, I, I, like, I've dislocated my shoulder three times, but the people who've like dislocated their knees and elbows, like that has to be worse. I think. Well, yeah, the worst, worst part about like any dislocation, I feel like is just how it is your body is forever weakened in that like you're like it can keep happening well right so i dislocated twice and then it was so bad the second time like after i was you know i had to be put out to put it back in uh but you can probably get surgery for that stuff right yeah so i had surgery after time literally when i was like 16 years old i had surgery on my shoulder um and then i dislocated it again the next year and I i was so scared that i fucked up the surgery but i didn't and it's crazy because I would actually say, like, my shoulder now, you know, whatever, six years later is, um, for, like, I would say, like, 95%. Like, it doesn't, I can't reach all the way up my back. But considering the damage that I've done to it, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Very impressive. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Modern surgery is pretty sick. Yay, <laughs> medicine. <laughs> yeah. But Gif, uh, circling back, what was the at the beginning of this near death uh, experience discussion? You said you were you had something popped oh, yeah. in your head. Okay, so I just discovered this today, actually. Ooh, yeah, and you know, like my like my whole like mental struggles with whatever I did happened. It happened basically like around my twenty fourth birthday because of a number of factors, including uh, you know COVID. Uh, me turning a new age uh, mm. and then like my grandmother passed away too and th- all that at once I think kind of set me off uh, mm. from reality a bit or or onto reality I guess but mm. you know it's gotten like every like I've basically gotten got through it in about a month and now I'm just kind of like dealing with like the after effects like of how I'm like different as a person mentally than I was like a, a year and a half ago I guess or a year ago mm-hmm. And something that somebody mentioned, I think my dad actually mentioned this to me back when I was struggling with it. He's like, oh, philosophy might help you. And I was like, how the hell would that help me? (laughs) Um, But 
I discovered this book today. It's an audio, or I've been listening to it because I like audiobooks. It's called, let me pull it up. Everybody should listen to this, by the way. And I, I have the audiobook file, so don't pay for it. Just hit me up. I'll send it to you. Uh, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, The Stoic Philosophy of Marcus Aurelius uh, by ah. Donald Robertson. And Donald Robertson, I looked him up. He's a Stoic philosopher. Um, but Stoic philosophy is just basically... uh. I don't really know much because I've only listened to about an hour of this, but basically from what I gathered, it's like accepting that life is part of it. Well, this is just one aspect of it, but it's just like accepting, you know, that's part of life. Yeah. Certainty in, in, in your life. And like, it's not, it doesn't mean you can't be sad about stuff. It doesn't mean you can't like grieve, but it means like you understand, um, the the confines of the world you live in like you don't mm-hmm. get up one of the things he says early on is like you don't get up every day and cry and be all sad about the fact that you can't fly so mm-hmm. why are you gonna be all sad about the fact that something that you know that everybody in life has to deal with you also have to deal with it so very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to check that out. But uh, yeah, no, philosophy is is wonderful. And at times it can feel very silly, uh, especially when you get into some of the mm-hmm. real heady uh, oh, yeah, you know, sure. thought games. Uh, no, but it can also be a great uh, navigational compass, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And, and it's really cool because like some of the things that seem to be coming from this book are things that like people told me that actually really helped me before I realized they were actually stoic philosophical stoic like proverbs and one of them was like you know everybody in human history has had to deal with this mm-hmm. and that really helped me because it, it just it just like kind of humanized everything and like made me realize how like my problem is the eternal problem of man and you know mm-hmm. everybody has struggled with it um, it's literally driven like religions it's driven like decisions for all of all of eternity um so it's really cool to realize that like you are like so similar to everybody else and like you're yet so different at the same time but this issue is like just this issue is like the issue of humans yeah like it has caused and uh it has caused so many problems but it's also like made brought about so many great things as well which is really cool well i think that that's interesting because it's almost like you know government can be run in different ways and different styles and like it's mm. philosophies like that that end up you know dictating what governments like think their purpose is and like what they're what they should do with their power and what you know how, how to maintain and control stuff completely yeah we still have to militarize Blacksburg, so. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it not already militarized? <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long since I've been down there that I wish I could tell you. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, that is a, another equally fascinating point, just to yeah. think that uh, there is, you've got the roadmaps for your daily life, and there's somewhat a roadmap uh, to the inner workings of this uh, weird thing called society. <laughs> Well, it's also really cool how similar humans are to how we were, 
you know, thousands of years ago, just in terms of how we think about life and like how we interact with our elders. Like people try to act like we're different, but I don't know. I just like, there's like, there's, you know, stories that are thousands of years old and like uh, about, uh, you know, like the older generation getting mad at the younger generation for being lazy and unmotivated (laughs) and entitled. And it's just, it's so funny how everything is just a cycle. Yeah, it, it, time it, is a flat circle. <laughs> I was having a conversation with one of my friends kind of recently, and he was just blowing my mind talking about like ancient civilizations and societies that have lasted for like thousands of years, like you know the Mayans and the Egyptians, like these sophisticated civilizations that have lasted for thousands of years and just disappeared over time. And it's like entire civilizations have lived and fallen before us, and yeah, and we're no different. And it's like life kind of takes this crazy course no matter what any one person powerful or insignificant like life is kind of this beast that you like can't control and it's just going to keep going the way it goes yeah because no what like no one person and no one government can dictate or control that ever even like without a doubt i mean there's there's (laughs) so much chaos in this world (laughs) and so much uncertainty yeah. <laughs> um, Order no, chaos. Yeah, this is this is a very interesting uh, question. Uh, which, which do you think is the more prevailing force, and which which do you subscribe to more? What do you I mean think, by prevailing, though? I think it's perfectly balanced. Like, I think there's an equal amount of order and chaos that like fluctuates in the world. Okay, like, I care to elaborate. Like. We're in a state of like turmoil right now, and not just like on a local level, but global turmoil because of the pandemic and because governments are doing crazy shit around the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's times in the world where there's just it's more chaotic. Things crazy shit is happening all over the world in different ways, and they kind of like factor and add up. Like these things build up over time and then just unleash, right? Like, and right. then there's times where the world does really well for years and years and years, and there's not as much conflict and people are able to evolve and grow and progress in the ways they want to like so entire would, you, would you say that uh order kind of stacks itself up as much as chaos does yeah like they bounce back and forth like when there's too much order then there's chaos and then when there's too much chaos it comes back to order okay it's like First the ebb and flows of the universe right like and you can't right. and you can't control that shit like no one person gets to tell you when there's order or chaos. Like, mm-hmm. And not to mention, you know, something that may be order and, you know, uh, clear to somebody may be chaos to a completely different other person. So it's, it's very subjective. Uh, but uh, it sounds as though you're, you're a big proponent for chaos, though, uh, Matt. I live my life in chaos pretty much. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's fun, but I need some level of order. I feel like that's what people don't like see because I don't like when I'm hanging out with my friends, like it's chaos. But when I'm alone, (laughs) I like have to put the pieces back together at some point. And uh, I I start to sort of get my get my life back together. But um, but then I just push it back again. You know, I always like I go back and forth, you know. (laughs) Oh yeah, no. It's good to keep things uh, changing, keep it interesting. 
Uh, yeah. What's your your big uh, key to restoring order in your own life? That's a good question. Um, probably, you know, maintaining a schedule, mm-hmm. starting to implement. Because I'm not, I don't like schedules. I think they're like boring, right? But the <laughs> good, because I just don't like knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I think that like takes the excitement out of life to a certain amount. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think I think you need to like have some schedule because then like you know then you have some stable state in your life so you can like you know do better at it. But <laughs> right, I like that. that should be on a shirt. Do better at life. Do better at schedules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I probably I'll start having a schedule. Like I'll try to go to bed at a reasonable time. I like to stay up late, but I'll try to like go to bed before midnight and work out every day or every other day and like eat better food. Like that's how I get back into a, a you know an organized version. But like, but then you get bored of that, right? Then it's like right. like I gotta I gotta switch it up a little bit, right? And then you go and get drunk for a weekend somewhere else. And <laughs> everything's fucked again, right? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I was about to say, you're pretty much describing uh, most of my college career. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, there there is something to be said about shaking it up. I mean, uh, you know, I feel when you kind of turn up that uh, contrast, at lack of a better word, you know, you start to see different things that you didn't really see when everything's nice and orderly and controlled and... Uh, Sometimes, you know, putting a little jazz on it uh, illuminates a lot. Yeah, and I think different people have different, like, thresholds or preferences. Because some people are just always in their, like, organized state of oh, yeah. things. And they don't, they don't like, like to break that. But I, I think it's fun. Very much so. Gif, uh, what what side are you on? Um, I mean, I really haven't thought about this a lot. Just in terms of, like, mac on the macro scale. I don't know. I think just like the whole order versus chaos thing is kind of like an illusion. And then I actually just looked it up and it looks like the order versus chaos is like a Egyptian religion. Interesting. But um, basically order back then meant like justice and righteousness. So I think what they really meant was like civilized slash like due process versus in a way is order that is that is right right yeah Yeah. but but like i i for me i believe like you know i mean i'm in the criminal justice if people don't know like i think like the protections that are that you know certain defendants are supposed to have in our society that is order and the chaos is like the hammurabi's code thing where like you know it's like mob rule like (laughs) whatever you like whatever the you know the mob in the street thinks is mm-hmm. the the right thing to do is what's going to happen and that's that's the chaos to me but in terms of my daily life i'm i'm very similar to matt um i'm definitely more orderly and i i think i need certain routines just to feel happy and secure but i definitely need a little bit of spontaneity as well um you know but yeah i definitely do need more more structure than the average bear for sure uh the covid thing really effed me up initially just because i had all these structural like mechanisms in place like 
I would drive to school. I would stay in school until the rush hour was over. And that would force me to study because I'd be in the library and like all this other stuff that I really kind of regretted, um, not having, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm, I, I figured it out when, when, when there was pressure and stuff to get done. Um, and I did, I do kind of like enjoy the benefits of not having those things because now I have so many other things that I can do, you know, with the time that I spent driving and, you know, buying lunch and now I can mm-hmm. just be at home and chilling. So I don't know. It's a balance for sure. I have a buddy who last night was talking to me about this. Uh, and he asked, uh, do you think people are going to be annoyed when life resumes? Hell yes. Uh, Hell normal? yes. Dude, are you kidding me? I don't agree. I think I think that because of what we're talking about, uh, I think people seek order and the monotony and you know all that tiny stuff. People are going to run back to it with open arms. People, people hate different. change, and okay. the, the fact is that whatever this COVID thing is, it's been gone. It's been going on too long that people have already developed new routines and they've already developed new orders in their life and as soon as their boss says you got to start coming in now that shit's gonna get messed up and they're gonna be pissed off now like like i think with the whole lockdown thing um the whole the adjustment only takes about two weeks and then people like like they'll keep talking about it and stuff but it's really not affecting them meant you know on a, on a on personal a, level yeah like you know they've adjusted uh and they'll adjust again but they're definitely going to complain about it <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah me personally, yeah like when i when i got when COVID hit and i had to work from home we worked from home for like two months i think before they started having us come back into the office like three out of five days and then two days we'd work from home and that was the most annoying period because I had gotten in my like routine working from home and it was awesome because I'd sleep in a little bit. I could like actually make breakfast and start my day on my own terms instead of like have to look a certain way and be somewhere on someone else's time. Mm. I'm still like an efficient worker. Like I still did a good job and got my projects in and shit. So like, I don't think the amount of work I did changed at all, but like my morning routine was way better. And then when I had to start going into the office on some mornings, but then work from home on other mornings and like move all my stuff back and forth to the office, like it was super annoying. So yeah. And that's what it's just, I've actually been, I'm still doing that partial like work from home, partial in the office thing. And it's, I, I mean, I'm more adjusted to it because we've been doing it for a while now, but I I don't like it. I'd rather work from home all the time now. <laughs> right. But I think th- so I think my question is still, I, I appreciate what you're saying about adjusting to schedules and stuff, but what I'm saying is like when everything, like there's no more restrictions, hopefully the COVID will never rear its face again, uh, and we just get back into the, the day-to-day life. Do you think it's yeah, going to be... It'll be good, yeah. I think a lot of people are like craving to go do normal things again, like go travel and eat out and like party with their friends again and go to clubs. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like the the fun parts of life people will definitely embrace, but they will it's not embrace down. the unfun parts of life. Like rush hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, like going to the office. 
Right. Yeah, there'll definitely be you know some. There'll be I think the Corona Boomers will be the <laughs> generation that is talked about in you know sixty years from now. Completely. As the new boomers. <laughs> I'd like to think, and this might be me being an optimist here, but I'd like to think that after having gone through all of this, uh, you know, on a global scale, uh, and this might be a little too hippy-dippy, but uh, I feel that people are going to have a new appreciation, you know. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying people are going to be like, oh, my God, this rush hour traffic is the bee's knees, man. But uh, at the same time, I feel like I I was at uh, I was doing some light Christmas shopping the other day. Um, I asked the cashier how she was doing and she said, you know, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And I think there's going to be a kind of collective shift in consciousness towards that. Dude, I totally agree with you, John. Think about. The Roaring Twenties, it's about to happen again. That came right after the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu was even more fucked than this, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, So we've yeah. got the Great Depression Part 2 uh, right around the corner. <laughs> Hopefully we know how to regulate the economy a little better. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like maybe that's potentially... Pull all your money out of banks. Invest in gold. Yes. <laughs> no, invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a great point, Matt. Um I think, yeah, it's the, uh, I think we are going to see levels of bacchanal and craziness uh, that will put the 20s to shame after all of this. Um, and hopefully we don't run the economy into the ground afterwards, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I Maybe agree. I think we learned our lesson, but it was a while ago, so probably not. Exactly. I mean, as we were all saying, you know, it's all just a circle. We're just going to end up right back where we were so anyway so (laughs) yeah sometimes it happens a little bit different you know oh yeah that's what keeps it interesting yeah no i mean honestly you got to take the goods with the bads like you know coronavirus is awful for a lot of people but like it it brought some good things into my life and maybe Mm -hmm. hopefully into other people because you know it forced me inside and like i worked on my music more than ever because i had nothing else to do and it was kind of this sad time too. So it's like, it's a good time to be making art for a lot of people. Because mm-hmm. when you're unhappy, you make great art. I mean, just- dude, this podcast would not be happening if if we never got locked down. Not a chance. Right, like, exactly. This, this is a product of my own boredom and <laughs> a lack of ability to put my energy into anything at a certain time. And now it's become kind of, not a chore, but now I have to like find time to do it. But before it was like, I have I I'm like if I don't do something constructive I'm gonna lose my mind so well right that's exactly it gif it's like it's if you say it's like oh this is a product of your boredom but it's I feel like it's more so a product of your need to create something right like right because I feel like a lot of people felt that in that you're kind of forced at home and forced to you know reflect and think about your life and like live with your decisions and like I feel like that's when people need to like I don't know have an outlet if when there's no other outlet yeah. It definitely comes with a lot of the introspection that we were forced into. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely beautiful to see all of the art and, you know, all of the outlets that people are choosing. And it, I agree. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And again, we wouldn't all be here having this wonderful discourse had it not been for uh, this calamity. So, you know, silver linings, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the world is not going to be, like, it's just kind of naive, I think, to think that I'm just going to go through my whole life and not experience, like, you know, something catastrophic on this scale, you know? Like, that would just mean we live in, like, a utopia, but, like, you know, think about, your like, your parents or your grandparents and, like, everything they went through in their entire lives. It's like, you got, you got, at some point, you got to learn to adapt to you know, crazy shit like this, like they all did when they were our age. Right. And I think utopia is a little extreme, but yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's, uh, I say that to say like, not utopia, but, but like, you know, think, think about like, you know, the state of the world in terms of Americans, how much better it is than it was even a hundred years ago. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say is that uh, I think that, again, it is probably far-fetched to think that something horrible won't happen after this. Because, I mean, as we said, you know, chaos loves to rear its ugly head. Um, But at the same time, like, we have so much more technology and understanding of our world now that the possibility that we could prevent something horrible like this happening again is a lot greater than it ever was oh, and sure. especially for our, our, you know, previous generations. Yeah. I know they're already looking into making preventative vaccines. So they have them ahead of time. So right. It, you do, like the society does evolve over time. And like, so that's why things don't repeat themselves like exactly. Cause we're just a little bit more prepared than last time, but it's like, Kind of like what you're talking about, Gif, at the very beginning, full circle. Like, there's this chaos to life. Well, I guess it's like what you were saying. Uh, with what was the philosophy you were talking about? Oh, stoicism, certainty. Mm. Right. Well, maybe I don't really know where I was going with that then. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, there, like, I, I, I just think I've learned. Like, everybody's like, oh, when are things going to get back to normal? When I think, like, you just gotta like adapt i think that's the thing that i've learned the most since since law school and this in general is just the the best thing you can ever do is just sort of understand that you know you're going to be very uncomfortable and you're going to be very uh unconfident at certain times in your life and you just have to understand that you have to learn to keep going because Nothing is going to slow down for you. Nothing's going to go back to normal ever again. Everything, every day is a different day. You're a different person than you were yesterday. So you just got to, that's, that's why humans are the the greatest animal to ever live on this planet is because we adapt. We're not the strongest. We're not the fastest, like physically, mentally, mentally, we might be there, but, but, you know, we're like, they're like, we're not like like smarter than a a dog at trailing a scent we we ha- the only thing we're good at is learning from our mistakes mm. and that's that's the difference like no other animal can do that as well as us no other animal can use tools like we can yeah i was going to say the tools thing is big yeah. it's it's, <laughs> it's like we we learn how to not make the same mistake twice and you know sort of <laughs> well yeah. yeah i just mean that on a biological standpoint but like 
without a doubt. Um, yeah. I guess this is another uh, segue moment. Uh, so in the topic of uh, adapting, uh, how have you guys managed to find avenues of fun throughout this pandemic? And what do you envision fun yes. looking like once uh, things kind of rectify themselves? I was, I was looking forward to this question. I forgot about it. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'll just start, I guess. Um, so, you know, of course, after this pandemic, I'm looking forward to experiencing some of the things that I haven't gotten to experience in a long time, being in crowds in general. Mm. Uh, I don't like crave that or anything, but there's so much things that so many times that I never thought I would miss just being like sort of like working my way through the human masses, either, either a concert, a sporting event, a bar, or like just a public place like the Metro and just sharing in the collective, you know, uh, crowd. Co- consciousness of, yeah, of the yeah. crowd. Like yeah. that that's something that I, I don't crave it or anything, but I definitely would like to experience it again in my life. Yeah, um, I miss it. I mean, I miss being around people. Yeah, for sure. I'm still, I'm still lucky enough to be able to see, you know, my circle of friends now while taking precautions because we're all like sort of quasi locked down. Like we're not, you know, going out and about. So I don't really feel, you know, bad about like seeing them every once in a while. Uh, but you know, I do miss like mass gatherings like we used to have with barn burners and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean. I miss partying for real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but right now I'm just trying to get, get done all the things that I know that I'm not going to want to, that I'm going to put as second fiddle once the lockdown's over. So like play as many video games as I can, mm-hmm. uh, read all these books that I'm never going to read. If I, if like my friends wanted to hang out on a Thursday night, you know, <laughs> get all, get all like the introverted stuff out of the way. Right on. Yeah, I feel that. So I've been having fun over the quarantine because I live alone. But it's kind of funny because I live alone in a town where I don't even really have any friends. <laughs> I just work. So I was already spending a lot of time alone making music. But the lockdown was even better because I had I had really nothing else to do. Like I wasn't supposed to do anything else. So I actually was on Twitch for a while and was DJing and drinking by myself, which was hilarious and fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was cool. Cause I know you guys showed up on the stream a couple of times and I was able to like catch up with some of my old friends and like, just, you know, feel like I was still DJing. Cause it, I, I still like DJing. But then it also, you know, once I got bored of DJing, I basically just sat down and started practicing working on my music a lot. And it, it paid off. Like I really just had a lot of time to focus on it. And I was like, I know that if I spend enough time doing this, it'll, it'll, you know, I'll get better. And I got better. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I feel like I've come out of the quarantine, like proud of the work that I've done. But what I'm looking forward to is really just going back out and partying, going to bars, clubs, traveling. I just want to go have some more spontaneity, right? Like what we were talking about earlier, like, my life has been very organized and it's been easy for that to happen because I don't leave mm. my house very much. Right. But, uh, yeah. As soon as, you know, as soon as we can go out and do shit again, I want to go out and be disorganized and spontaneous. <laughs> oh yeah. 
do stuff that like I didn't. Chaos yeah, dude, I can't. I can't. Like all these, all my friends are like now finally in different places, and I can't even visit them. That's probably the the one thing oh, I yeah. would like to do: visit like New York, like yeah, Charlottesville, all all the, all the all the places. Now John John's going down to Vero or not yeah. Jupiter. West Palm Beach, but yeah. Oh, I mean, even better. <laughs> I can't wait to visit there, you know. So yes. That's awesome. I mean, you're moving you're moving there when? I'm uh doing an internship down there from January until May and then possibly returning for the following season. Um very, very cool. What's the internship? I am going to be working at a country club. Um, Hell yes. Yes. Fancy. You gonna yeah. wear that yellow suit? Um, well, I'm going to be in the kitchen, so <laughs> um, I'll be wearing my, uh, my chef's wife's, but, uh, oh, you know. dude, that's awesome. so you're, you'll be cooking in there. That's, that's super cool. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah you're so. doing the, the chef thing. I am. I, uh, awesome. Yes. I was about to say, I just, uh, finished up the last of my, uh, classes at Johnson and Wales. So, uh, a mixture of online classes and, uh, in-person ones throughout this, which was a whole interesting ordeal but uh but yeah it's i'm i'm very lucky that i'm going to have this opportunity to travel in the midst of uh all of this and i'm doubly fortunate that we're on the cusp of vaccination and all that um right yeah but yeah no i it's it's that's it, i i like to look at it as a preview of what i've got to expect because Traveling is definitely one of the bigger things that I, I want to try and get to uh, once this all passes. Yeah, for real. So I think this would be a cool segue into talking about uh, some of our passions. I know you guys mentioned that <laughs> earlier. John, would yeah. you say that uh, culinary arts and being a chef is your passion? Oh, without a doubt. And when did you like uh, decide to start pursuing that? So. <laughs> um, and I'm going through. So like, uh, yeah, uh, please, I'll, I'll try and keep uh, yeah. my ramblings uh, to a minimum here. But no, please, please uh, feel free to interject whenever. But uh, basically, uh, when you guys had met me, I was at Virginia Tech and uh, was dead set on uh, becoming a veterinarian and was very into the animal science stuff. Um and then I started managing a farm out in Long Island, and I was out there for about three years. Um, I got to work the land, got to work with the animals, uh, and through a, a smattering of different events, uh, realized that while I was adept at animal husbandry and uh, animal science care, uh, it really didn't, you know, set off that spark for me. Uh Right. And uh, seeing all of this food that I'd helped grow and raise and uh, the incredibly talented uh, chefs that worked at Eight Hands, uh, uh, seeing them, you know, transform all of this hard work into these beautiful dishes that people loved and, you know, could sustain people. Uh, it it kind of had a, you know, aha moment and uh, realized it was something I wanted to do and Put in a lot of hard work in between then and now and uh every day i've just kind of been reaffirmed that this is something i want to do dude that's so awesome i where Thank i was you. going with it was the idea that uh, i feel like a lot of young people 
are discouraged from pursuing things like culinary arts or art mm-hmm. or music or any creative or dance things like that completely um, yeah and i think it's, it's pretty fucked up because like you, the truth is you can make a living doing that stuff right like you just have that to really work at it and it's like you know, you should get a degree for some of those things. You should get formally educated. It's not like you're not pursuing Completely. a real career path, mm-hmm. uh, which sucks. Because I feel like, you know, if I wasn't <laughs> discouraged, I would have gone straight into that but instead of, you know, because I went to engineering school at Tech. And mm-hmm. right. I did I did believe that I wanted to be an engineer, but it was like so conditional because I knew I always wanted to have a career in creative arts of some sort, whether it be music or art, visual art. Right. And that's what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm pursuing that as much as I can be, but I work full time. So it's like, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've been running myself thin, like working at both of them as hard as possible. But it's just like, I really feel like, you know, people in society need to be more open to realize how valuable the arts sector is and how much people rely on movies, art, TV really? show, music, food, tasting good. Like, it's all so important for the quality of, of everybody's life, but oh, it's, so, it's so undervalued in my opinion. Um, without a doubt. And uh, the, the interesting thing that, again, not being able to avoid uh, the COVID talk, but I think that's something that has definitely been highlighted for a lot of people who have been trying to stave off boredom and have gone sick of their own cooking uh, that, you right. know, you need all of these things to make society interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say, I'm trying to find a quote. All right, here. Uh, so one of the chefs that I studied under at Jaywoo uh, loved this quote, which was, uh, we may live without poetry, music, and art. We may live without conscience and live without heart. We may live without friends. We may live without books. But civilized men cannot live without cooks. And that's a quote from Owen Meredith. thought that was just a nice little bit, but you know, it applies to all of those things. And I think that's a beautiful point. And uh, as you said, you know, you can make it work if uh, you put in that extra little bit of hard work and it kind of spreads you thin sometimes, uh, but there's something beautiful in you know, contributing to that to the world. And I I think uh, GIF is, you know, doing that, leading that charge in his own right with this, this beautiful little uh, podcast that we're on. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to have some fun, but it is cool to like really get to showcase everybody's stuff. Like that's the one thing I really like to do um, with this is just create like a platform that everybody can use, like promote their music, promote their artwork, come on and promote their ideas. And I really don't really think I've ever said no to anybody. So I want to keep it that way. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's kind of what this gimmick is supposed to be about is just like a mutual sort of collective of, of people who all get to use, uh, this weird little thing called the internet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. This program we're using, I mean, like I can see all of our audio recordings being recorded. This is great. We're using a Zencaster, everybody, and it uploads all three audio files independently uh, to the cloud as they're recorded. So if John were to drop off in the middle of his speech, everything he mm-hmm. said would be automatically in the cloud, ready to be downloaded. So 
That's awesome. It's a really great app, and it's free uh, for up to two guests. Um, and then I think if you want more, you have to pay for it. But I haven't had that they problem yet. Or something, bro. What's that? They should, they should sponsor you. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll hit them up. We'll see. But yeah, honestly, we're at a good stopping point. Unless you guys have any other, on um, other pressing questions, we can definitely continue this in a future episode, though. Um, I'd love to come back, uh, but I will leave you with my my big conspiracy theory because oh, okay, I know perfect. that's a big yeah uh, big portion no, of leave, this. Leave them, yeah, leave them for the audience to contemplate. We can even talk about it for a little bit. All right. Um, I don't mean to disrupt the world. Uh, or any of the listenership out there. Good, good start. Um, but wake up, sheeple. Uh, birds <laughs> aren't real, and they are just uh, drones that the government is using to uh, monitor us all. It's why they sit on power lines to recharge themselves. Um, and yeah, so, you know. So explain uh, to me, how come if birds aren't real, there's zero evidence of like a bird malfunctioning and becoming a drone. Like how come nobody's ever killed a bird with their car and like its components have gone everywhere. Um, it's some severely sophisticated technology. Um, I think Android level. Uh, but again, I don't have the answers cause I, <laughs> am, I'm not part of the Illuminati. Uh, I don't have the answers. Sway. I mean, how could you possibly look at one of those and trust it? Yeah. Birds I mean, are weird. My cat loves to eat them. I, I actually have another fun fact. Um, I just saw on the internets the other day, uh, the first confirmed case of long distance migratory bird flight was in the 1800s, a German man shot a stork from Africa and still had a tribal African spear lodged in its neck when he managed to uh, take it down. So so he killed it and it flew all the way across the Atlantic Ocean just to be killed by a different hunter. Yes. Great. Um, (laughs) I mean, what what animal could survive with a spear in its neck? So obviously, birds are fake, and I rest my case. <laughs> Fair yeah, I think it's convincing. I'm going to give a shameless plug for my music too. Yeah, do it, do it, I, do it. I know that uh, I know that Gif uses my music in the intros sometimes, and I may even give him some unreleased stuff to use. Ooh. Yeah, what should the intro be for this episode? Uh, maybe, maybe I can give you a sneak peek of what I'm going to release. Well, you've already given me like the, um, that, the one, the, I don't know what it's called, but the, I think it's a a, a collab. You gave it to me with, uh, the other thing. So, all right, cool. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk before I put it on there, but yeah, sure. You can, you can tease it in the beginning, but yeah, if you like my music or you're interested, um, Follow my socials and music on Spotify. Uh, I go by Sleazy Lettuce. Or follow me on SoundCloud or Instagram. All of it's just Sleazy Lettuce. Um, it really helps. I appreciate you. So check it out. You might like it. I was about to say, if I can uh, curtail and do a little go, plug myself. Go, go for it. I am nowhere near as versed or as uh, along in my... Uh, 
musical career as uh, Matt is, but uh, every once in a while, I will hop on Twitch and do a little DJing myself. Uh, yeah, John kills it. Ah, well, thank you. Um, I'm DJ The Shepherd on uh, Twitch, so I, again, it's very sporadic. Uh, I'm trying to work on that a little bit. Uh, things have been a little bit hectic before I start this internship, but uh, I'd love for anybody listening to stop by the stream uh, whenever they get a chance. Yeah, thank you, John and Gifford. You guys also, you guys played a role in my like my career in music too, because oh yeah, John used to rock the best dance parties just oh. off your phone, and that's, <laughs> that's I mean it's purely inspirational the dance parties that you threw on. So that's honestly like that's what it's all about as a DJ is just making that room dance, and like that's where I really started to fall in love with that and uh, and really enjoy doing that stuff. So yeah, shout out and, in and turn, then. Me and Gifford used to DJ before I knew how to DJ. So, like, when I was really bad, me and Gifford used to be really bad together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just fucking just pressing the, 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 what do you call it, button, the loop button, like, over and over again. I was about to say, Matt, you were the, the person who taught me actually how to DJ on that, uh, that little deck that you had back in, uh, back at school. Yeah, the little baby SB2. That thing yep. was. I can't believe it survived as long as it did. It's it was pretty thing. Shout out, Frank. Yeah. That was pretty pretty good stuff. As much as you've inspired, or we've inspired you, Matt. Uh, you hopping on Twitch early on in uh, quarantine inspired me to kind of get the gusto to hop on. And uh, yeah, 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 it's funny. Only like five people watch anyway, so it's not like... exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's all part of the fun. It's yeah, like no. a, a mini party. <laughs> yeah, there's a mini party. Your friends pop in and say hi. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. We're done. I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of t- fun recording it. Uh, now it's time for your favorite part, the calls to action. So, as always, uh, give me as much feedback as you can. Uh, a couple of people are giving me feedback, but I think a lot more of you could also be doing that. So please, if you can, give me feedback, please do so. Also, please subscribe, rate, review, comment, share. Uh, on whatever media platform you are listening to the episode. It helps me a lot. It helps new people find the the content, and it helps me grow my audience. And then finally, uh, please help recommend me to your friends and family, and let's increase the size of the audience so that we can keep, uh, you know, we can keep this train rolling and we can keep exploring new content. Next week, I'm going to have two more Fraternity Brothers surprise, but they are they graduated before I was even in college and uh, I don't really know how to say this nicely, but they're kind of insane. So it'll, it's going to be a really fun episode to record. They seem to be over, over the moon uh, anticipating getting on the Chungus cast and I'm sure they'll be around and they will be reoccurring guests. So without further ado, uh, have a good new year and um, I hope you all had a good holiday this past week. Bye. <laughs>